0: Welcome to the Herpetile Podcast. My name is Nash and I love herpetology. This podcast explores all things to do with reptiles and amphibians. I hope you like it. Welcome to the show. My name is Nash and I'm the host of the Herpetile Podcast. My guest today is Chelsea Connor. Chelsea are- is currently a student at Midwestern State University, and she studies the interactions between two and all lizards in her home country of DeMonica. Chelsea is one of the co-founders of something called Black Birders Week, which is a week of social media and online events to showcase the Black naturalist community and share their experiences. Welcome to my show, Chelsea.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's nice
0: um, also, I was meant to ask um do you want me to pronounce your name Chelsea or Chelsea
1: it's Chelsea, okay. but it's okay
0: um My first question today is how and when did you first become interested in working with animals
1: um so I've wanted to work with animals my uh, pretty much my whole life. Uh, there was a time when I was what like ten when I was like oh I, I want to or a forensic scientist, but then I got into like the marine biologist phase that like everybody that wants to work with animals goes through, and then they stick with it or you don't, but I was like, I don't know how to swim, so I'm going to skip that, <laughs> and um, I went through the vet phase, and then that's another thing, you either stick with it or you don't, and I was like, nah, I'm just going to work with other animals, um, I really love birds, and I was like, I'm, I'm going to be an ornithologist, that's going to be it. And um, I I ended up here in Texas and I was telling that to my advisor and he said, okay, well, you can work on something else now. And then when you, you get to PhD, you can work on birds. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, sure, but I wanna work on birds now. Um, and he'd been doing research on the anoles on my Island for um, a, cu- a couple of years by then. And he's like, hey, do you want to go do this? Like, it's a great opportunity. Go do it. You can still also work on birds. And I went and um, doing all my background research before I got there. And then getting there and, like, actually working with the anoles, I was like, this is it. (laughs) This is what I want to do. I love these lizards so much. They're ridiculous. Look at their dewlaps. I'm here for it. I just want to study all of them which might not be possible but i'm going to do my best
0: <laughs> um can you explain um a bit about what anoles are so anoles are
1: iguanian lizards so a lot of them are tree dwelling um the biggest of them gets up to ooh. it's a cuban night anole. it gets up to you i want to say what 20 centimeters minus its tail like up to 20 centimeters about the tail and um yeah they have like such a wide range of uh diversity um there's anoles that are false chameleons so they they look a lot like chameleons um they even also have the independently moving eyes to some extent and um they move slowly like chameleons do and everything um and then we also have an aqua like aquatic anoles and there's one that like breathes underwater like it has a little bubble on its head when it like dives underwater and it can use that like a scuba tank um there's a wide range of colors and sizes and they're all they they all like fall into different like habitats as well like different parts of the tree that they are adapted to live in and as someone who is as curious as i am um this particular this particular group of lizards is amazing to study because they all um have so much you can learn about them and even when there's been a lot of research done on species of anole there's more that can be done because there's still so much to find out
0: um,
1: um oh i'm sorry go ahead um, you can uh actually no yeah i think i'm done <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> um
0: how do you think you um like found out that um, you wanted to study annals, or like, how did you find out about them?
1: Uh, my advisor was the the one who, um, like, told me about the work that he, he was doing with Operation Wallacea on my island. So. Every every year, there's a group of scientists that go to Dominica with Operation Wallacea, and they have students come in from different high schools in the UK and occasionally America, and um, they they team up with um, different researchers. Uh, during the week. So every day they're with a new researcher, and they're doing actual research. So the students get to come along with them and learn how to do field research, learn about that particular field that they're in, um, learn how they're collecting the data, and what the data is going to be used for, and how they're going to analyze it, what they're looking for. So they get really in-depth look at field research, and um, we get to be able to collect the data for the research that we, we want to do. And um, he had been doing it for a while, and he usually sends a student down there, and he's like, hey, you're from there. Why don't you just do it? Just go. You'll be at home. You'll get to see your family and stuff. But also, these villages are cool. I knew I knew they were cool because I'd seen them my whole life. But um, getting down and do that research beforehand uh, before I went there, and then getting there and being able to teach the students of them, um, catching the anoles as well, like handling them, I just fell in love. I was like, "Oh, I I love this. I I would like to be able to do this, um maybe forever."
0: <laughs> um. Also, on um social media, you're called the Anole Queen. Um, what is it that you like about them the most? <laughs> um.
1: So, <laughs> I was talking to my friend uh, one night, and I was like, I was just like ranting about anoles, about how much I love them, and I don't think there's any one thing specifically that I love the most, except maybe dewlaps. I think the dewlaps might be like the one thing that's above everything else, Um And colors, some of them have amazing colors, but I think it might be the deulap patterns, design and colors, just, it's amazing. Um, Telling my friend all about that. And I said that I feel like the anole queen because I just like, I'm just over here like sharing all this knowledge about anoles and telling people, look at these anoles. (laughs) And um, I was like, what if I just add that to my name? Uh, They told me to go for it. I was like, okay. I guess I'm the anole queen now. So um, I'm the anole queen, and I'm here to to share anole knowledge with everybody. Um, so the Cuban night anole, by the way, it was 20 inches, not centimeters. Um, I forget that I mix those up sometimes now that I live in America. Yeah. So it, it would be 50 centimeters. Mm. Yeah,
0: um, about that. So you um study two species um of anoles mainly. Um can you tell us about them?
1: Right. So um there is the endemic species of anole on my island that's Anolis oculatus is also called the eyed anole. Um like that's where it gets its name from because it, uh some ecotypes have this really distinct uh spotting on its on their sides that look like eyes uh it's also called the dominican anole. pretty simple and then there is an invasive species the puerto rican crested anole. uh it got to my island mm, in the early 2000s on a cargo shipment and um one of the concerns that we've had is, you know, is this invasive anole uh, decimating the population of the native one? Because in some communities, in some places, you don't see the native anole as much as used to before, if at all. So one of the ways that we wanted to measure that was um, seeing their, their dietary niche overlap and what that is as are they eating the same things, and if if they are, would there be- co- how, sorry how much competition is there for those same prey items, and with that, there could be out competing, which would be why any population would disappear um something is competing with it for the same resources, and then it pushes out one of those populations
0: um so you research the, di- the dietary differences between those two annulled species. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you do that?
1: With fecal samples. So I collected poop. For six weeks, I collected anole poop. <laughs> Sometimes you'd have to, like, gently, very gently squeeze it out of them. Because we can't keep them for, like, we can keep the we- we could keep them for a day, but I don't like keeping them for more than that. They need to, like, go back to where we caught them um, and eat. Uh, so just, like, really gently, like, press on their tummy and encourage them to, to poop so that we can have that sample. Um, and then the poop goes in a little vial. And then I was with me in Texas with all my permits for it and everything. And um, at our colleague's lab at Texas Christian University, um, colleague is Dr. Dean Williams. Uh, We did the DNA extraction and sequencing and we're not done with that. Um, The lab is off limits right now because because of the pandemic. So we're so close though, (laughs) we're so close to being done. But yeah, so I got to actually go there and do some of the DNA work myself. And I'm really happy about that because that was another th- another thing that I wasn't sure that I could do or that I'd like. And then getting to do it, I was like, oh my God, no, I love doing this. I also want to do this <laughs> forever. I can do
0: like genetic stuff in the lab. I like that. <laughs> so. um, What have you found out through that research so far?
1: Uh, So far, it seems like um some populations might be eating uh different insects and there's a lot of reasons why that could be and just want to make sure we have the rest of results before like fully speculate about that but um it could be that they're partitioning which is what a lot of gnolls do when they occupy like the same habitat um in puerto rico where the crested anole is from originally there are so many other species of anoles that it shares habitat with. But um, this particular one is a it's called a trunk ground ecomorph. That means that's where it's it's adapted to live, about like midway on the tree trunk and then on the ground. And um, the other there are other anoles that would be trunk crowns, so that means it's higher up in the tree, and then there's the crown it's like the cuban night anole that lives like way up in the canopy so they're adapted to live in different parts so they don't compete for food
0: um so how um much do you think that um invasive anoles are affecting um the no anoles that are already there
1: um I think they're definitely displacing them, but not necessarily affecting the population severity. But um, that is something that we need to look at more, I feel like, Um, especially since I like, I feel like I would have needed to get a better count of the population. while I was there I was mostly just like oh I need these samples so I may have gotten the sample from the same lizard more than once because I did go to sites more than once you did a system of measurement where you know you counted and a null and you don't count it
0: again um you're also the co-founder of um Black Birders Week can you tell us why you helped set it up
1: yeah, so um, after the events in Central Park, um, where a notable Black birder, Christian Cooper, um, was threatened by um, a white woman to uh, have the police called on him, and she said she would she would tell them that a Black man is threatening her life. Um, and uh, the group, Black AF and STEM Collective, um, wanted to bring light to the situation, but also to other Black naturalists and Black birders and the experiences that we face going outside and doing what we love. So um, Anna Gifty uh came up with the idea of doing um, Black Birders Day and then it became a week. And we thought of all of the events that we could have for this week. And how we're going to promote it and talk about it, and um, we just we went from there
0: um so what kind of activities happened during Blackbirders week?
1: So uh, with Blackbirders week, the first thing that we had was a uh, hashtag black in nature and that one we just wanted to we wanted everybody who was black who enjoyed the outdoors um who did field research outside um just whatever it is that they did that brought them outdoors we wanted to see pictures of them doing that um enjoying the space that they're they're occupying and um taking up that space without being afraid to um Which is really important, we should never be afraid to occupy a space that we should all have access to mm-hmm. and um, it was It was incredible to see all of these black people outside um enjoying the outdoors, having so much fun. It was like I still. <laughs> I get asked this question um, fairly often. I still have trouble, like, describing exactly like what it means to me because I—it's hard to put in words. I think it was to see everybody come together like that, and to see everybody posting their pictures of them outdoors, having fun, uh, living their lives, uh, hiking or just hanging out or in the and I got to to meet a lot of new scientists and follow a lot of new scientists as well because of that. Um the next day was Post a Bird Challenge um and people posted pictures of birds that they took or interesting bird facts that they they knew uh the bird folklore um from my from my home island. Um with pictures of course. Uh and then we had Ask a Blackbird, which um initially we were gonna just do it over Twitter, but then, and then people some people thought we were gonna do it live on um Instagram and we were like, you know what, let's just do it live on Instagram. That'll be fun. So we got to go live on it, people sending their questions and we all like took turns going on and um we got uh, a lot of interesting questions and a lot of them were like tailored to what we what we focus on like i got questions about tropical birds and um aaron who is not a birder but has gotten into birding um she's also a herper like me uh she got some questions about lizards being eaten by birds <laughs> which is really cool because there's there's some way that we all relate to to birding um, then we had a break, and then the next day was, uh, it was June 4th, yeah. Uh, it was Birding While Black, and that was our live stream discussion with Christian Cooper. Um, in one session, and then the next one, we had uh Drew Lanham. Um, they're two notable black birders, and those conversations were hosted by Audubon, and it was. It was really insightful and amazing to see. And a lot of people tuned in to watch them. Um, A lot of people sent in a lot of really good questions that they've always wanted to to ask. Um, And they got to hear how uh, birders are affected by the everyday, do what they love, Um, the precautions that we have to take uh, when we go out to do what we we love um like i i 'm very cautious about going outside with binoculars um even if i 'm just like going to look at birds, yeah, I know, but i i I think about what I'd look like to someone else watching me who 's not the same race that I am, uh because that does happen a lot uh the assumption is that you 're like out to do something bad. And that shouldn't happen. Everybody should feel safe. Everybody should feel like they have access to the outdoors. And mm. um, having that conversation was extremely important. And that conversation is continuing. And that's exactly what we wanted to happen. We wanted those conversations to start. Um, we wanted a place for them to happen. And we wanted them to keep happening.
0: Are you going? And um,
1: uh, Oh, going. I'm sorry. Uh our last day was Black Women Who Bird, and it was just highlighting the interest um, of identifies as a woman and is black and is into birding, um, because even more than black men, black women are not believed or uh, face these experiences as well, um, and there's also sexism, um, so. There's a lot of crossover and intersectionality with those issues. And we just had, we just highlighted all the Black women who bird. I got to do a live stream with Monterey Bay Aquarium with um, some of my friends from Black AF and STEM, uh, Danielle Bellini and, excuse me, Sheridan Alford, uh, Joita Martinez. And um, Erin was supposed to be there with us, but Erin had a scheduling conflict. So um, I think i would do that with her, but maybe some other time. But uh, we, we had a lot of events that just focused on the women in the group and the women outside of the group who are Black and bird as well. Um, it was a good, it was a solid final day. And it was, it was also really incredible to see and really powerful.
0: Um, do you think you're going to do it again next year?
1: Yes, we would like to do it again next year. So, we're we're already thinking about that because um with the feedback that we've gotten and um how we feel uh about it as well and and what we've seen um the empowerment that it gave to to black people, to black naturalists, to black birders, it's it's something that we definitely want to keep going we want to keep that momentum going and um we want to make it an annual thing where people can know that they're going to be they're going to have this this week where they're going to be celebrated and they're going to have that community and belonging and um it's gonna be just as beautiful next year as it was this year maybe even more so I'm already excited thinking about it but we have we have some time to plan so (laughs) I'm not gonna rush that one
0: um so if you um are doing it next year will it be like um the same days so you'd be doing um every so the same um topics on the same days or would you um do something different than you did last year
1: that's that's a very good question um i think that's something that we'll have to discuss um hmm we might change the order i'm not sure but we're definitely gonna have to talk about that that's a really good question mm-hmm. thank you <laughs> i'm gonna write um, that down so that we remember to talk about that
0: <laughs> um also um do you keep any animals I'm sorry. Say again. Um, do you keep any
1: animals? Oh, yeah. I have four pets. I have a cat um, who is fast asleep right now and ignoring me. <laughs> uh, I have a veiled chameleon. Uh, I have a corn snake and I have a tarantula.
0: Wow. Um, so if you could tell um everyone in the world something about reptiles and amphibians or um, yeah. And
1: um, what would it be? Ooh, if I could tell everyone in the world something about reptiles and amphibians, that's a really good question. I'm gonna need a minute. Oh wait, um, yeah. Anoles are the best lizards. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's the thing.
0: <laughs> um. Um, I thought, um, since you said at the start of the podcast um, that you um, love sharing information about anoles, um is there anything you want to um, share or say about them? Um, yeah. So uh,
1: every week I do this hashtag um, called Did You Anole, um on Thursday at 6 Central. Um, uh, and one of my favorites so far, cause there's like 430 something species of anoles. So my favorite so far is blue anole and it is, it lives, it's, it's endemic. It lives on this Island, um, off Colombia called Isla Gorgona. And it is the world's only pure blue lizard that we know of so far, um, because it's possible that there's another one out there that we haven't discovered yet, but it has no patternings. It's just, it's just pure blue and it is so pretty. Um, A lot of people commented that they didn't know that anoles came in periwinkle blue, but it's, it's, it's such a beautiful lizard to look at. Um, Everyone should look that lizard up if they can. And, and, What's the population? I don't know because researchers are having a hard time finding it because somehow this this blue lizard is hard to spot. How is this blue lizard hard to spot? But that's like another thing about anoles. It still falls into the diversity, like such a wide range. Here is one anole that is just blue. It's just blue and its dewlap is bright white, (laughs) It's just like, hey, here I am, but you don't see it until it climbs down the tree, and it's like it's down on the trunk, and then you go, oh, okay, there's the blue lizard.
0: Um. So my final question today for you is, um, what is an unusual fact about reptiles or amphibians that people might not know? Mm. Ah. Oh, that's a good question, too.
1: You have a lot of really good questions. <laughs> Thanks. Hmm. unusual fact. I don't know if this is unusual, um, but gnolls and other lizards that change their color, like chameleons, um, so far we we know that they don't do it to blending to the background it's there's other factors that cause the the color change um like their their mood what they're displaying for so like when when anoles get into fight when male anoles get into fights they like get darker sometimes because they're they're upset um but it's not because they're like trying to like blend into the tree or anything
0: Mm. um Thank you so much for being on the Herford Hour podcast, Chelsea. Um, is there anything you want to say?
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Um, oh, uh, I draw an stickers. stickers. Um, that's why I was like going on about the dewlaps earlier, because I draw like popsicles that represent an old dewlaps and the anolds you know, are in there and it's Chelsea Herp's dot redbubble.com and i think they're pretty cool so um everybody should check them out and even if you don't get a sticker look up these annuls so you can actually like see pictures of their dewlaps like i get as close as possible as i can with my drawings but you need to learn about these annuls they are incredible i promise
0: um, I'll also put that in the description. I'll link to that. Um,
1: Thank
0: you so much. Thanks. that's good. Thanks for listening to the Herpetile podcast. Please subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the latest episodes. Happy Herping!